regular service goes. But I would rather us be real with each other than fake with each other. I would rather us let each other see our blemishes because there is no one here that is perfect. And if perfection is the requirement to worship the Lord, then we should all get up and leave because we are not perfect. But thankfully, thankfully we serve someone who is perfect. And the requirement for worship is is worshiping in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And uh, that is the requirement for us. And uh, he doesn't say, uh, well done, thy good and perfect servant. He says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So uh, that prob- that hopefully that doesn't set the stage for m- myself and a series of mistakes that I'll probably make. But uh, uh, hopefully we'll get over it. But um, Well, good morning. I am Billy. I'm one of the pastors here at Centerpoint Bible Church. And if this is your first time, you've been coming ever since the beginning of uh, the inception of Centerpoint Bible Church, I do want to welcome you here this morning. Um, I am excited to be here, uh, really in the series of uh, designing what the, uh, our sermons, what, how the preaching will go, and how it, it uh, chronologically goes down through Luke. By God's grace, we were able to land at the resurrection last week. And, uh, and the following today is a passage that I really, I really enjoy. I enjoy this passage, and I might share a little bit later why I enjoy it so much, why I, I cling to this, this passage uh, more, than, more than some others. But before we begin, I'll let you know that it, it's two, the two on the road to Emmaus, and uh, I just put on the little sub, sub line there, from heartbreak to heartburn. And if you've read, the, if you read it, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, and if not, then you'll find out near the end. But let's go on to the next one. I figured I'd, I'd recap us a little bit. Last week, we talked about the resurrection hope. Uh, Pastor Lowell uh, brought the word to us, and you go to the flip to the next one. And one thing that really struck out to, came uh, full force to me as I was listening was this, uh, this screenshot right here, which is the resurrection response, which is us. Come and see. We know that the ladies went to the tomb, and it was empty. Believe and live. They believed on it. And go and tell. And ladies, they did go and do that. And uh, so right now we're on, the, we're on the next verses, and that's in Luke 24. If you could, go ahead and ter- open up your Bible to Luke 24. I knew I was going to be opening there, so I had my little thingy right here. So. Um, Luke 24, verse 13. And I'm going to go ahead and read verses 13 to 35. And then we'll pray and continue with the sermon. I'm reading out the New New International Version. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. 
The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us. It's, it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. The two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Great passage. Great historical account. By the historian Luke. Let's pray together before we go on. It's your word, Lord. It's your word. And our desire is to hear your word. To grow closer to you through your son, Jesus Christ. By focusing and learning and studying your word. I pray that I would have the ears to hear. That everyone here would have the ears to hear what you are saying to each and every one of us. I pray all these things. Your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever been taken off guard? You ever planned something and then been completely disappointed when it didn't come to fruition? We're going to venture way back in history to the land of 1991. The fall of 1991, beginning of my senior year. Uh, I love soccer. I'm a soccer player by heart. Uh, I love watching it. I, I get excited that my kids will, they, I pause the TV and I rewind it. And, watch this. You've got to watch this play. And, you know, they're, they patiently uh, uh, indulge me in those occasions. But if we go all the way back to the fall of 1991, late October, early November, I was, although we are at Spring Mills Middle School and now I am a Spring Mills Patriot, and a Spring Mills Cardinal fan right now. Back then, Hedgesville was the team. And that was the team I was on, the school that I went to. And I bled blue and gold. And I say, uh, we have some Hedgesville alum here uh, 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 listening to me. So um, soccer was pretty unique in that at Hedgesville, we were pretty, we were pretty good. My uh, freshman year, we made it to regionals. Uh, my sophomore year, we actually made it to states. We, we made it to states, top four in the state. My junior year, I broke my leg on my birthday. That's another story. But I, I, was, I, was, with, 
I was with the team, and we made it to states again my junior year. So we're entering into our senior year. We have like eight or nine seniors. We are ready to rock and roll. Uh, there's this one team that was always against us, a team called Martinsburg. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about Martinsburg was that they had never beaten Hedgesville. We played, if we played three games in my freshman year, three games in my sophomore year, three games in my junior year, three games in my senior year, that's, what is that? Thank you, Brock, just kidding. Uh, Twelve games, twelve games, okay? So we played eleven games that I, that I was on the, on the field for, and we won. We won eleven of those games. Uh, actually, never in the history of soccer had Martinsburg ever beaten Hedgesville. So with our plans, we made it our, our sophomore year to States, we made it our junior year to States, Who's to say we ain't going to make it our senior year to States? Well, the sectional playoffs happened. And we knew that if we could beat Martinsburg, there was another team that was a lot weaker than us. We knew we could, we could handle them pretty easy. So we just needed to focus on Martinsburg. And then we had one, one easy game, and then we'd make it to States. That year, I believe the scores were like 5 nothing and like 2 or 3 nothing. We won the games. 5 nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing, something like that. Sectional playoffs, final score, 4-3. to three. Martinsburg beat us for the first time in their s- school history in soccer. Uh, I still bump into some Hedgesville guys that are a little older than me that remind me that I was the first team, I was part of the first team to ever lose to Martinsburg. <laughs> but talk about heartbroken. Talk about heartbroken. The year before, I broke my leg and I couldn't even play, in the, couldn't even play any of the games. My first, my, the first game, I actually broke my leg against Martinsburg, believe it or not. And uh, I could not play my whole junior year. So I was so excited to actually make it to States my senior year. This was not in my plan. This was not my plan. Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever made plans? And everything looks right. But at the end, it just doesn't jive. That's what's going on here in this passage. That's what's happening right here. You know, uh, we had, um, in, the, in the previous, we had, what was it? Uh, come and see, uh, believe and live, go and tell. So we, we know we're, we're thousands of years ahead of what, when this was written. We can look back and see what happens. We actually have revelation to know that God wins in the end. We have these, the benefits to be able to just flip through a couple pages and see what's going on. But at the moment, in the moment, that Luke 24 was happening. These two people on the road were confused. Here's the situation. We have the ladies, they go and they see the empty tomb. But according to this specific account, they did not meet Jesus. And they go back and tell the disciples and Peter, and we know that John also ran with them, went And they did not see Jesus. And if you look at verse 12 here in Luke 24, it says this. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, giving spiritual high fives because he knew what was going on. He says he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Wondering to himself what had happened. We just read the account, the confusion that was going on with these guys. Excuse me, these two individuals. 
the confusion that was on their part. The confusion that was on their part. They were in limbo. They were at a crossroads. It was kind of before they could believe and live. They came and they saw. It was at the moment right before where they could go and tell. They were, they were, they were confused. This is not the plan. So let's, let's go ahead and look at, the, look at the passage again. In verse 13, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 14. They're on the road. They're heading to, to Emmaus. Emmaus is a town that uh, it says in my, in my Bible, it says seven, seven miles. It's really 60 stadia is what it says. It's like 660 feet. It comes out to roughly seven miles. Some people believe it was 160 stadia, which is 18 miles. They don't know where Emmaus was. I've tried to figure it out. There's like four main areas they think it was, this, that, and the other. That really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter according to when you look at the whole passage. Um, but they were on the road traveling back home. It was right after they could not, they could not travel on, on Saturday. So we're heading back on Sunday. And what are they doing? They're talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. After I lost that soccer game, I, I thought about that. I thought about that game. I thought about the plan that we thought we had and how it didn't work. I have another friend of mine who was a, a sports guy, and he was one play away from making the state championships in football. And he said to me, I thought about that one play every day for a year, every day for a year, I would think about that play. Why did it not work? Why did it not work? So we have, we have these two, and they're confused. They don't know what's going on. And they're talking to each other on the road, trying to make sense. You know, A plus B equals C, D, you know, this and this, and, you know, the Messiah, and, you know, and, and all that, and what, and, and now empty two, what? So it says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And Jesus comes along. And Jesus is so, he's such a good teacher. A good teacher doesn't always tell you what, what the answer is. A good teacher will pull the truth out of you, pull the answers out of you. So Jesus comes along. He knows what they're talking about. Say, what are you guys discussing as you, together as you walk along? So they're walking. He comes walking up beside them. In verse 17, the second part of verse 17, they stood still, their faces downcast. Think about it. They're walking like, man, I don't know what's going on. What's happening? I don't you know. It's come so confused. Jesus says, hey, what's going on? And they're like, just literally stop. And they turn to talk about it. It has so overcome them. They were, they were physically affected. They were emotionally affected. They were downcast. Have you ever been so confused, so hurt, that something did not go the way you wanted it. You've been physically and emotionally downcast. I know. I know some of you have. I've talked to you about it. So still, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas. It's a Greek word. Uh, it's the, the male form of Cleopatra. That has no bearing on anything. But um, Asked him, are you the only visitor? Are you the only person? Are you the only one? Did you just crawl out from under a rock? In 1993, do you guys remember the Oklahoma City bombing? Was anyone here alive in 1993? Okay. Uh, uh, Oklahoma City bombing. I was down at Appalachian Bible College, and it was like a, a black hole vortex of news. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have 
news. <laughs> they didn't have it. You had to go and pick up the big stick with the, with the newspaper on it and stuff and kind of open it up and, you know, in the library so you couldn't take the, the, so you couldn't take the paper away. Because at Appalachian, I guess they thought you would steal the newspaper? I don't know. Anyways, um, uh, so I'm walking by. I'm walking through uh, cr- crazy late. I was late. I know it's a surprise. I was late to my class. I was running through. I grabbed a couple apples from the, from the dining hall, and I'm looking it down the lane, and I bust through the library, and I'm running through, and I see this picture of this bomb that had gone off or whatever. I was like, what, what in the world? I was three days behind on the news, the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, you know, I, I was in, under a rock. I did not catch the news that, of, of that amazing, immense event. And there's like... Have you been under a rock that you don't know what's going down in Jerusalem over the past week, the past couple of days? And, of course, Jesus, what, you know, what things? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied in verse 19. Now, here is where the confusion leads to doubt. Here is where confusion on their part, and I put a little line through it, because really, not just confusion on their part, but at times it can be confusion on our part. Think about this. Apply this to your life as well. They started doubting. They said, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Was. Past tense. Past tense. He was, he was a prophet. Spiritually, they're shaken. They are shaken. And they, they regurgitate all the events of the past couple days. He was a, power, a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucify him. But... We had hoped, we had hoped, doubt again. They don't even have hope. They lost their hope. We had hoped that he was one, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They misunderstood Jesus. They misunderstood Jesus. What kind of Messiah were they looking for? What kind of Messiah were they looking for? They were looking for a Messiah to come, you know, you know, oh, you Roman soldiers, you know, lightning bolts, bing, 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 and set up and become and sit down and on the throne. And, you know, all the Romans, all, all, all of Rome is just scattered and Israel has got a new king. They were looking for someone to, to just destroy everything that was going on at the moment that was against them and set up the kingdom for himself right then and there. That's who they were looking for. That's who they were looking for. Someone that would fight. And he's dead. He's dead. In their mind, they had a view. You ever have, your, have something, a, a, a view of something in your mind of, of the Bible, and then you study it and you're like, oh man, I was thinking weird stuff the whole time. You know? And we're doing a study on, in, uh, on Sunday nights in, uh, at my house for the teens. And it is walking as Jesus walked. It's just literally just going through all the stuff that Jesus did, looking at Jesus, looking at Jesus. 
And me, in my own mind, I had these certain thoughts about Jesus' 100% humanity, his 100% deity, and, but I had it kind of mixed up. And by this study, I was like, wow, I haven't really been trusting in God's 100% and Jesus' 100% humanity. I was always thinking he would pull this God card out and use it whenever he wanted. I had to change my own view. Years of studying this stuff, and then I realized I am wrong. I am wrong in my view. Doubt entered in. Jesus, past tense. Past tense. Well, he was a prophet. We, we, we had hoped. You ever have your hope dashed? You ever have your hope dashed? Proverbs 13, one of my close friends quoted this verse to me, and it just always stuck in my head. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's the first part of the verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you want something to happen so bad, you want it to happen so bad and it doesn't, it makes you sick to your stomach. You want something, you're like, you're praying for it, Lord, give this, please, you know, selflessly, please let this happen. And it doesn't happen, it's sick to your stomach. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Thankfully, the second half of that verse is, but a joy fulfilled is the tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, yet a joy fulfilled is a tree of life. They had lost their hope. They had lost their hope. When real life and scripture conflict, what do you choose? Here's a challenge for you. We're, we're studying in, uh, in our focus groups, Culture Shock. And there is the fact that God's word is 100% right and pure and true. And there's also relative truth from our society that's trying to smash and crush and destroy God's truth. And when we face it on a daily basis, each and every one of us will face this on a daily basis, God's truth versus the world's truth. God's truth versus the world's truth. And you have them both in your hand. Here's the world's truth, and here's God's truth. Here's my truth, what I think is right, and here's what God says is right. Which do I choose? Whenever you're in a conflict between what is God's, what is scriptural, and what is your life and life circumstances... Throw away your life circumstances. Only rely on God's truth. Only rely on God's truth. But my mom treated me poorly. Well, I don't need to really honor her. I know it says keep the marriage bed undefiled, but we're in love and we're going to get married. How about not lusting after a woman? But she's right there. Look what she's wearing. How about casting your cares upon him? I know I've got this burden on my back. It's weighing me down. I know I need to give it to the Lord. I'll just open up my backpack and let him see it, and then I'll put it back on. Casting our cares upon him. I know this is life. People, people walk around with burdens. Seeking first his kingdom. Do not repay evil with evil. Golly, is that a tough one? When someone dogs you and you have the ability to smash them back. How about this? Praying for those who persecute you. Real life comes in. You don't understand, Billy. You don't understand. This person is really totally persecuting me because of my faith. I got the right to jab them a little bit. Don't I? I've earned it, right? Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. 
your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. When real life and scripture conflict, you have to make the choice. What are you going to choose? They doubted. And then here comes the clarity. This is, this is one of the... Mm, I love this passage. Is that here comes the clarity. Jesus says very kindly to them, Oh, you just don't understand. He says, How foolish. He says in verse 25, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The good thing, the awesome, the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he is a great study in, in, in the perfect teacher. The perfect teacher. Ask questions to pull things out. Let's them answer the questions. Then he has a basis and he can make a clear assessment of what's going on. What's going on in their heart, what's going on in their mind. Physically, he can see them. Emotionally, spiritually, he sees what's going on. And he comes back with this. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Foolish of heart, how foolish you are. It's like dull, like your senses are dull. Did anyone have their senses dull? Um, I, was, I was at a, a church camp and we were playing, uh, uh, it was a pillow fight, you know, you know no big deal. Uh, I was actually one of the counselors and I was like, come on kids, we're going to attack this, you know, attack this cabin. And uh, probably, I mean, probably not the best thing, but it was fun, you know, we're at camp. And, uh, and I was going against, and my job was to take the dude that was the other counselor. But he was a lot bigger than me. But I was like, if I can get him before he gets me. I didn't realize that he knew we were coming. So he had taken his goose down pillow. And he had folded it and folded it and folded it and wrapped it up. And I think he might have duct taped it and dipped it in concrete and then stuck it back in the, I don't know what he did. But he like folded this pillow in the pillowcase. And I came in. And he rang my bell so hard. I had birds flying around my eyes, flying around my head. I, so, like, we're in the fight. I was like, yeah, boom, boom. And I was like, okay, guys, retreat, retreat, retreat. And, I mean, it was like I got, I got the sense knocked out of me. Some people say I got the sense knocked into me maybe. But uh, you ever been dulled and not quite see clearly, cloudy? You can't quite see what is going on. It's like a fog. You know, in the morning, when, in the fall, when you see the fog lifting up over the, uh, over the, over the river? In Beckley, in the fall, we would, we'd drive over these bridges, and it was like, even though the, the, these huge ravines, the fog would lift up, and you look, look out, it's like you could almost walk across this cloud. Because, the, the, you know, you couldn't see anything down below. But the fog, when the sun would come out and, and, you know, and, and dry up this, this mist, steam, cloud, and it would just dissipate, and then you'd be able to see clearly. Jesus comes in and just kind of blows the fog right out of their eyes. He blows this confusion right out of the way. But he does him upside the head. Come on! How foolish of, how foolish of heart and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Now, did Jesus ever say that he was going to suffer and die and come back after three days? Sure did. Check out Mark 8. Check out Mark 9. Check out Mark 10. Check out Luke. We're in Luke. I think it's in 18, 19. Luke 18, Luke 19, Matthew 16. Uh, He wasn't... They they knew. They knew. 
I like Mark 8 as well. Mark 8, when he, again, the great teacher says, who, who do people say I am? So he oh, you're a prophet, da, 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 da. And Peter says, you're the Messiah. He says, right on, right on, Peter. In like the next couple verses, Jesus says, and this is what's, ha- what's going to happen to me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to go through a lot of hard stuff. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Shh, shh, shh. He, he rebuked Jesus and said, don't be talking like that. Don't be talking like that. And Jesus says, get, thee behind, get behind me, Satan. This is ungodly talk you're giving me here. One second you're, you're right on. The next second you're way off base. But Jesus is trying to tell them this is what's going to happen. Here's why I love this passage. This is uh, Pastor Lowell, we were looking at it and stuff, and he asked me if I would, I'd like to do this passage. I said, I sure would. Uh, it's one of my favorite passages. Because if I could be anybody in Scripture, if I could be anybody in Scripture, I would not be Samson. I would not be Jonah. I would not be Moses. I, w- I would not be, I wouldn't be anybody but Cleopas. I'd be him. Because if you look in the, well, I'll, I'll actually read it to you. In verse 9, it says, When they came back, the ladies came back from the tomb, they all told these things to the eleven and to all the others. Cleopas was one of the, all the others. So, I don't, you know, in my, you know, I don't think I'm, I don't think I could ever make it as a disciple. <laughs> I couldn't make a disciple, but I could, like, take a step back. You know, I'm not in the inner ring. I'm not like Peter, you know, I'm not like John or, you know, James or John. I'm maybe like, you know, I'm not even like an Andrew in the outer, the outer ring. I'm not even like one, you know, you know, Bartholomew. I'm not even him. I'm kind of like back a little farther. But I'm just far enough that I can hear what's going on. I can see what's happening. And I can, you know, I can, I can engage. I can engage and kind of watch what's, go, what's happening, you know, with, with Jesus and all these things. And I can kind of just get close enough. And here's another reason why I would love to be Cleopas. I'd love to be him. Because it says right here in the passage. Verse 27. In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Blow your mind. Blow your mind. Jesus explained in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, everything that concerned himself. Would you like to have a pen and paper? Would you like to just be able to press record? He went from the very beginning, Genesis, all the way up, the whole Old Testament. And he showed, wait, you know that? Me. Okay, how about this? You know, well, at that point, they don't know it's him. Jesus, the Messiah. At this point, or you know right here, Isaiah? <laughs> Jesus, the Messiah. You know, here at Lamentations, Jesus, the Messiah. You know, Malachi, Jesus, the Messiah. Boom, 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 boom. So I don't know whether it was seven miles or if it was 18 miles. I have no idea how long, how far um, MAS was. Uh, maybe it was 18 because that had to be a long conversation that he had. Huge conversation. But the cool thing, the, actually, the, the, another cool thing about it is that it says he... In my, in my version, it says, in the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
there are different ways to preach. There are different ways to teach. Click on, click on this. This is how we teach at Centerpoint Bible Church. Now, some of you will be like, okay, I've heard this before. I know this is a really big deal. Some of you may not, may not have heard this before. But over the past couple months, I have bumped into some people that have said, oh, well, I didn't know you do it. You, you, know, you guys did stuff that way. It's like, I, I don't know any other way to do it. Um, this, is how we, this is how we teach and we preach at Centerpoint Bible Church. Expositional teaching and preaching. That means setting forth an explanation. Kind of like what Jesus did. Kind of like what Jesus did. He went to all the scriptures, boom, 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 boom. He pulled them out and he explained it. This is what we do. This is why we're chronologically go through all of, we're going through all of Luke. Because, probably much more ahead than, I, than me, but, you know, Lowell goes through and he knows the passage he's going to do and he reads them and he says, hmm, this is what the passage is, okay. This is the main point of this passage, okay. This is, okay. Yes, 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 yes. And he jots it down on a huge amount of notes, and he, and, he, and he reads it, and he studies it, and he pulls, you know, all the passages. We pull what comes from the passage out. That's, called, that's actually called exegesis, to lead or pull out of, okay? So we go in, we go in like we're going in this passage here, and we pull out what the passage says. Now, in... The past couple of years, I, you know, whenever I see that uh, a church or somebody or someone's teaching on the road to Emmaus, I'm like, I, I come on, I kind of want to listen to listen to this sermon. I listened to a sermon one time, locally around here, that it made me made me mad, made me mad, because they 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 encapsulated it as two on the road to Emmaus, and the only farther the guy got was verse 13. And let me tell you, I, I still remember what it was, because it made me so mad. This, is, this was his points. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. He said, you know what? They got out of Jerusalem because there was a bunch of bad people there. Let me give you five bad people that we need to stay away from. And he went through, and for 40 minutes, he talked about five bad people that we need to stay away from. What? What? What is that? That's called eisegesis. That's the, I got something I want to tell people. I'm going to find a little verse. I'm just going to tell it. I'm going to try to make it fit, but I'm going to tell them what I want to tell them. That's ungodly. That's ungodly. And I'm thankful that at Centerpoint Bible Church, we go expositionally and exegetically. Okay, we go in and we pull it out, whatever it says, and it's freeing. Guess what? This is what it says. Hey, this is what it says. Don't, don't, don't knock me. This is what God's word says. Um, <clears throat> let's keep on going. That's yeah, a good part. He explained in all the scriptures concerning himself. The next thing that happens is they approach the village where they're going. And Jesus acts as if he's going farther. So they urge him strongly. Stay, stay, stay. Why did they urge him strongly? Why did they urge him strongly? Because they couldn't get enough. They couldn't get enough. You ever, you ever watch a movie and like it's over in a split second? You ever listen to someone talk and you're like, wow, how did this, you know, three hours went by. I was at Lancaster Bible College as an admissions counselor uh, way back in the 1900s, uh, in uh, like 99, 2000, I can't remember. And there was a guy who was speaking and it was like this lecture series. And the guy's name was Daniel Wallace. And he's from Dallas Theological Seminary. 
He's actually the head guru dude guy for translating the New Testament into what we call the Net Bible. Uh, if you ever look on, look, uh, on Bible Gateway, you can scroll down, you can see Net Bible. And he said, <laughs> this is exactly what he did. It was a lecture series. So he was like, <clears throat> I am Daniel Wallace. And I'll be reading my paper on where we get the English translation of the Bible. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Boring. Monotone. Boring. But what he was saying was so good, I was like, you're so boring, but I love hearing you. And then, like, and I was showing some people around, and I was like, you guys want to stay and listen to this? Okay, let's stay a little, stay a little longer, you know, because we had to leave. And I was like, let's just stay a little longer. We'll go, we'll go to that class late. We'll go, I'll, I'll take you another class. I was like, oh, man, I could not get enough. I was eating it up. It didn't matter how it was delivered. It didn't matter how it was delivered. What, was, what mattered was the truth that the guy was saying. And I was like lapping it in. Ah, I love this. I love this. I love this. I got his, I got his completely boring monotone tapes. I listened to them <laughs> driving. This guy's so boring. He's so good. You know. You know. The amazing thing is when the, when Jesus goes to walk on, they're like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Hey, it's uh, it's almost evening. Uh, you're probably hungry. Uh, let me think of another reason. Please stay with us. Please, please. You know, so Jesus comes, he stays with them. I, I miss this part. When you have God revealing the truth to you, when you have God revealing the truth to you, you want more. When you have God revealing truth to you, when you have Christ revealing truth to you, you have the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you, you want more. You want more. You want more. So we know that he sits down, he sits at a table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And this is another blow your mind, blow your mind. And they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Was our heart not burning within us? I love how he opened their eyes. Then he's gone. And they're like, You know? What? And they were so changed by this that it says they at once got up and went back to Jerusalem. They didn't stay. They got up at once and traveled back to Jerusalem. The actual translation is uh, for burning, burning, that word is, I was set on fire. I was to set on fire. I was set on fire. That's what they were saying. We were set on fire when he opened the scriptures to us. Um, there's, it's interesting because if you do a little search, you'll find in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, Jeremiah is a... Uh, is someone that spoke the word of God uh, in, in his land. And even when people didn't want to hear it, he spoke it. And Jeremiah 20 says this. He's upset with God. He says, O oh Lord, you deceived me. 20 verse 7. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long and everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord 
has brought me insult and reproach all day long. I stand up for you, God. I'm made fun of. I'm insulted all day long. So he says, I ain't going to do it anymore. No. Because this is the awesomeness about this, this next, these next couple verses. If awesomeness is a word. But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I can't even hold it in. It's like I'm trying to hold it in. I can't do it. From Jeremiah to the two on the road. Here's something interesting that I don't think we've... I, 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 you know, I, I learn every time I read this passage. Why were, they on, why were their hearts on fire? Because Jesus was there? Because Jesus was there. No. He did not let them know that he was Jesus. He did not let them know that he was a resurrected Savior. But where their fire came up in their guts, where it came on the road when he was doing what? Sharing the scriptures. Sharing the scriptures with him. I don't know why. Why did he do this? Why didn't he just, you know, if it was me and I was resurrected, you know, I'd be like, da-da! Hello, everyone. I am Jesus. I have resurrected. Please come see me. You know? Billboards. Take the billboards out, you know? Let's get a commercial going. You know, let's, let, you know, let, me, let, me, let me jump back on that donkey and walk through Jerusalem. Let me do that. Why did he, I don't, why did he do that? I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with this answer. Why didn't he do that? Only thing I can think of, he had a plan. And he knew that the power of God is in the Word. The power of God is in the Word. Yes, Jesus is our Savior. He is the living Word. What came out of his mouth was laid for us. And we have everything we need to be on fire ourselves. To be on fire ourselves through the word. Through the word. So what does set your heart on fire? I want you to think about that. What does set your heart on fire? I wrote a list of things. Soccer! Soccer sets my heart on fire, right? Music sets my heart on fire. I get fired up. I burn with passion. Music. Fishing. Fishing sets my heart on fire. Any chance I get, I'll fish. Because that's where my heart it sets, gets set on fire. Hunting. A couple, a couple weeks ago. NCAA tournament. Lacrosse. Softball. My me time, my me time. That's what I'm most excited. That's what gets me excited. That's what sets my heart on fire. When I can spend me time with me and me and me. And when I'm done, I go and hang, hang out with me. That sets me on fire. My kids set me on fire. My kids are my fire. My kids are my fire. That's what sets me on fire. 
my spouse. That sets me on fire. My girlfriend, my boyfriend. Are all these things evil? No. But if we allow these things to set us on fire over the Word of God, over the Scriptures, we are idolaters. We have committed idolatry. We have committed idolatry. Sometimes the best sermons are the ones you preach to yourself. The best lessons we learn are the ones we back to ourselves. So what sets your heart on fire? Is your heart set on fire through Jesus Christ and his word? If it's not, then maybe, maybe you're confused. Maybe you need clarity. Maybe you need a change. No, no, maybe. You are confused. You need clarity. And you need to change. I love this passage. Let's pray. What sets us on fire, Lord? If it is anything but your word and your truth that we hold on to, if it is anything but that, we have committed idolatry against you. You will have no other gods before you. You are a jealous God. You first. And you deserve it, Lord. You deserve it. I pray each and every person here, Lord, would be set on fire with your word will be changed through your word and would immediately act upon it as these two on the road to Emmaus did. Thank you for loving us. Pray all these things, your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen.